0: Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. It's called a when the roll is called up When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is
1: called up yonder,
0: I'll be there. Amen and amen. When we come to this passage of Scripture for this morning, we've already taken just a brief moment to mention uh, a small part of the context. We have found that the Lord Jesus uh, has been ministering. Uh, the beginning of the book of Mark as uh, also the beginning chapters of uh, the rest of the Gospels is giving us events that take place in the ministry of our Lord Jesus. The Gospel of Mark has said that he has recently uh, been ministering around Nazareth, He has uh, been uh, sending out his 12 to preach the gospel. He has called upon them to serve him and to be his followers, to do the work of God in uh, the, in the realm of Judea and to go uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We understand that he has done that. And when we come to our text, Jesus is well uh, underway in his, uh, in his earthly ministry, Uh, the word of what he, who he is and what he is doing has come as verse number 14 says to the ears of King Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee. He has heard of Jesus and his name. The name of the Lord Jesus is being spread abroad all of the of that country in his day. And the Bible says that Jesus is uh, conducting himself in such a way that mighty works do show forth themselves in he Herod is interested by these works. Herod is intrigued by these words, but also we have noticed, and we'll look at this this morning, I believe that as he uh, beholds and hears of what Jesus is doing, it recalls to his mind a believer uh, that uh, followed the Lord and believed in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that the Bible tells us in Mark, uh, excuse me, in Matthew chapter number three, is the forerunner of Jesus Christ, uh, but known by the name of John the Baptist, But that crazy man that was dressed, he and uh, dressed with a, a leathern girdle, and uh, had uh, had clothes of camel's hair, and ate uh, wild honey. Amen. That that crazy Baptist preacher that was baptizing for the uh, baptizing people uh, for repenting of their sins in the Jordan River. Uh, the one that was being used of God to uh, proclaim great messages in a short but powerful six month ministry. In that short amount of time. He let the world know who Jesus was when he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He had declared to all of those Jews around him, both Pharisee and, and common man alike, that this is not just uh, the son of Mary and Joseph. This is not just the protege to a carpenter uh, shop. This is not uh, just any other man. This is not even just a Jewish boy that knew so much about the law that he established. Uh, to the Jewish teachers at the age of uh, twelve in his youthful years, this is not just someone that is known around his home uh, area of, uh, of Nazareth and his uh, home area uh, around Galilee. This is not just a man uh, that has got, got some popularity over the last few uh, last several uh, months, last year or so, uh, to where now he's got people that are following uh, after him. Uh, th- this is not this is not just any. Uh, individual, amen. In a short time, the Bible, the Bible says, the Bible says here uh, that he that Jesus is reminding them of John the Baptist, a special man that declared who Jesus was and that Jesus was not just a nobody, but he was a somebody and that somebody was the definite Lamb of God. He He is the Messiah that the Jews had been looking for. He is the sacrifice that will be coming uh, to pay for man's sins. Amen. And Herod hears of that man and it reminds him of John who in a short time was given the mission from the Lord uh, to be the forerunner to declare to the whole world who Jesus is. And Herod is convicted, I believe, by this man, John. And and I've I've taken the title over the last several weeks. The title "Silenced Voices." And the reason why is because our text, verse 27, and I know uh, I have in, in, uh, in, by way of trying to establish a thought about John, I have briefly taken our moments, uh, uh, taken our uh, minds away from uh, the truth that we began talking about. But in verse 27, the Bible mentions about that, that the king sent an executioner and commanded John's head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. And at the moment of his beheading, when he was was murdered uh, by King Herod, uh, the Bible says that that great voice was forever silenced. And in this passage of scripture, we have, uh, through John and the other characters of this text, have noticed uh, some voices that will be silenced in our day if we are not careful, just like they were silenced in John's day. John, as we've already mentioned, uh, represented the voice of the preacher that was being silenced. God used John to preach great messages. In our text, uh, we find one message of John. I've already mentioned he was the one that said, "Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world." Remember, not the sins plural of the world, but the sin of the world. Uh, he takes away what sin, uh, what, the, what what sin does. Amen. Uh, he takes away the penalty of sin. Amen. And what our sin nature? Where our sin nature? Is, Taking us from or taking us to, taking us to a, a place in hell. He is the Lamb that paid for the sin of the world. Amen. Uh, but not only did he give that message, and then I mentioned last week about John three thirty, he must increase, I must decrease. John the Baptist said that. Here in our text, we find him preaching another message, and it's not nearly as shout worthy, uh, or at least it's not to Herod when he preaches it. Amen. He says in verse number eighteen, here was the message, and I thank God for people who can get their point across in just a few words. Amen. And y'all may not think your preachers like that. If you don't believe that, come see me in my office in a counseling session. I promise I can get my point across in a few words. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ask my wife about that. Amen. Let me say this. Amen. John got his point across. He looked at Herod right in his God-given eyeball and said, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. The relationship you're living in is an adulterous one. It is an ungodly one. It is a sinful one. And it goes against the law of God for you to live that kind of way. Amen. And I'm glad for some preachers that have preached to me that were just plain preaching. Amen. And I thank God for deep preaching. I thank God for shallow preaching. But one thing I do like is preaching that just is simply, however the preacher does it, however the personality is, uh, whatever the intellect level is, whatever the whatever the uh, whatever the educational level is, whatever the case may be, I like the ones that just get their point across. Amen. I-, I like it if you if you can spend an hour and teach me the deep truths of God as long as I get the point. Amen. I'm thankful for it. If you take 15 minutes and you uh, just preach something simple and you get the point across, Hallelujah to God. I'm glad the point got across. Amen. You know why? Because I need. the Point, points. Amen. I need the message. Amen. I don't know how you feel, but this preacher needs the messages. Amen. That's why I love to hear preaching. That's why I listen to preaching every every day. Amen. Whether I'm in a church service or whether I'm at home, I listen to it every day because I need it. Amen. Praise the Lord. John preached, and he was a preacher, and when his voice was silenced, the world lost a distinctive voice for God, and I'll say this this morning, I believe the world we're living in, is losing the distinct voices that this world has had for God, amen, I think about some of the great preachers of our day, how many of those old time preachers are leaving this world, they're going by way of the grave, amen, and because of are getting some age on them, they're getting some sickness to them, and they're leaving this world, amen, and we're losing men of that caliber. Many of the men that are coming on the scene of Christendom today do not, uh, not have the relationship with God those men had. Did not have the backbone that those men had. Did not have a love for Jesus Christ like many of those men had. I think about some of the greatest preachers of our day. Amen. How we are losing them. Amen. Where are the Harold Seitlers today? Where are the Mays Jacksons today? Amen. Where are the Billy Kellys today? Amen. Where are some of those men that just said, I, with all that I have in my life, I'm going to preach the word of God. Amen. This year, this very year, I think as we, and I know there's been multitudes and multitudes, but two in my life that have been greatly impactful. This, that impacted my life. This, in this year alone, we've lost two of our great generals of the faith. Dr. Ed Maccabee. And Dr. Stenet-Balue both checked out of this world and went to heaven. To the greatest Bible preachers. I'd say this, the world wants to silence the voices of our preachers and we have some preachers today and I thank God there's men my age that are still standing and preaching the gospel. I'm glad there's some men that are behind my generation that are still standing and preaching the gospel. I'm glad there's still some old war horses of the faith that are before me still preaching the word of God and not backing down and not laying down the sword but they're going to hold that sword and they're going to fight valiantly until God calls them home and we have that today, but there's, in other words, they are few and far between. Amen. Amen. I don't say this to pin any roses on me, but one thing I will say is there are very few men my age that preach the way I do. That stand the way this church stands. That stands the way we believe. Most people my age want some kind of new uh, thing, want some kind of new music, want some kind of new Bible, some kind of new spirit. Can I say this? The Bible has something to say about a new spirit. Amen. The Bible has something to say about a new word, a new gospel. Uh, can, has anybody listened to me this morning? The world has something to say about a new Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to let you know this 26-year-old preacher is not used to is not It's not, uh, it's not going to go with that crowd. I'm not interested in any of that. Can I encourage you? You shouldn't be either. Amen. There's a silenced voice of the preacher in this text. Then there's also the silenced voice of the pardon in this text. I think the children of God are being way too quiet. Amen. John was not only a preacher, but before he was a preacher, he was a Christian. Amen. People of God have been way too quiet. I think that's why we have some of the politicians that we do. I think that's why we have some of the laws that we have. I think that's why our city councils are allowed to pass the things that they are. Amen. Uh, that's why this, this county uh, and the counties around this world uh, today, we used to have most of the counties in the United States of America would be dry counties no more. I remember in my lifetime when those referendums were passed to begin to sell alcohol on Sundays in my lifetime. Some of you gray haired in here, you never would have thought you would ever have seen uh, alcohol being sold probably in this town, in this county on Sundays. But it happens. Amen. Happened in Spartanburg for me. Amen. You go in, you go into a restaurant one day and they won't sell alcohol on Sunday. very next week they would because there was a referendum passed. When they get the opinion of the people and people who claim to be saved and claim to know the Lord and go to church every Sunday and they say, I'm going to vote yes to a wet county instead of a dry county. I'd say our voices are are being silenced today. Amen. The government wants to silence the voice of the Christian. Amen. And I know I'm reviewing uh, and I may not ever get to new material this morning, but I didn't say this when I'm coming through and it feels good this morning. So I'm going to say it. Amen. Any of y'all ever pay attention to the news? I don't know if you're paying attention to this uh, new presidential election, uh, but one of the things that came out just a couple of weeks ago that uh, President Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders said is he made a statement about Christianity. He said Christianity is an insult to Islam, and he hates it. Did you ever think there'd be a day in the United States of America where we'd be concerned with offending a Muslim? Do you remember back on September the 11th, 2001, where our president stood at the, at the, in, the, in the burning rubble of the World Trade Centers, and he said, he said, he said to the people in New York City, he said, he said, I see what happened today, and he said, he said, I, he told those those firemen and those emergency responders, and I think it was very presidential, amen. And I'm glad we got somebody now that is presidential, amen, yeah. amen. amen. You know what was presidential when he said, he said, I hear you talking about those, uh, talking about the New Yorkers. He said, I hear you and this crowd hears you. And soon the men that laid these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Amen. Amen. That's right. That was presidential. Do you know who the men that laid those buildings downs were? Muslims. After September 11th, 2001, and I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you ought to hurt anybody. I'm not saying you ought to be hateful to anybody. I do believe we ought to give the message of the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ to them, because the last thing I'd ever want to see is someone die a Muslim, see anyone die a Buddhist, see anyone die embracing false religion. If you leave this world, and Jesus is not your Lord, and God is not your Father, and you do not have Bible salvation, I don't want you to die that way, friend. Amen. 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 You remember what we said, right? And I'm talking about I was a little boy. Y'all won't believe this, but when those trade centers came down, I was sitting in a third grade classroom. Amen. So I remember I was young. You know what I do remember? People filling the churches. Every church house being full. And everybody on the news media saying we will never forget what happened today. We will never forget how soon we forget our words. Amen. We said we will never forget what happened here, and in turn we turned around and forgot what we said. Amen. I'm telling you, why is it we have more than several Muslims in Congress today? If I walked into the Congress building with my coat on, they'd make me take it off so they could check every piece of it. If I had, if, and I wouldn't go to Congress dressed like this, but if I had a ball cap on, they'd make me take it off and leave it in the hands of a guard. But we can have Muslims wear those, wear those oversized diapers on their head, and walk in and never be checked. I'm not saying that out of hate this morning. I'm saying we've forgotten where we've come from as Americans. And if the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ would have stood, would have stood up and stood out louder, that would not happen today. Our nation is changing, not because the times are changing. And that's what everybody wants to say. Not because the millennials have, have some kind of advanced wisdom, God help us. Amen. Amen. We have more access to technology than your gener- many of your generation had. Amen. We have more access to things quickly, more information quickly. But our information's distorted today. We're believing lies. We're trusting in the lies and we're trusting more in the lies that the media is propagating than the truth that Jesus gives in his word. And because of that we're being deceived and the voices of those that have been pardoned by the good amazing grace of God is being silenced today and we've quit winning souls and we've quit caring about people and we've quit caring about the uh, state of our nation. We've quit praying for revival. We've quit giving the truth of the word of God and our, our nation is showing evidence of a a church and of a place uh, of places that call themselves churches that have quit on God we'll show up to church we will and that's if you can get most Christians to show up to church when we show up to church we show up and we sit in our our seats and we say preacher give me something I need something and if you don't get what you want then many will leave and try to find somewhere else that they can amen when was the last time, instead of saying, get me something, did a believer say, God, let me go in there and let me be a blessing. Amen. Give, give me something that I can in turn go around and give it to somebody else. Amen. When was the last time you said, give brother so-and-so something? Give sister so-and-so what they need? Give the preacher what he needs to preach to us the word of God and let him preach it hot and let him preach it straight and let him preach it powerfully. Amen. Let him stomp on my toes if that's what's needed. Let him aim at my heart, but it's what we need. Amen. We are silenced. We have silenced our voices. When they beheaded John, they lost one of the best things they had. And that was a loud voice pointing them to Christ, pointing them to God, pointing them to repentance. Amen. Here in our text, John is pointing Herod uh, to the sin that's in his life. And God is using that uh, voice that of a believer that is concerned with souls around them to give him the conviction that he needed. The third voice, not only the voice of the preacher and the voice of the pardoned, but we began two Sundays ago to look at the voice of the perishing. If the voices of the preachers get silenced, remember that the Bible says, how can they believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If the preachers get silenced and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have been pardoned get silent, can I say this? The perishing have no hope. Amen. Amen. You and I are supposed to be given in the Word of God, and it is the Word of God that, that must be used to see a soul saved. Amen. Faith comes by? And hearing by? Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we do not give them the truth of God, if the preachers are silent and they're not giving it, if the if the Christians are silenced and they're not giving it, there will be multitudes of people that will die and go to hell because we have been silenced. Has your voice been silent? Are you a silenced voice? John's voice was silenced, but it wasn't silenced by himself. It wasn't silenced by his own desire. It wasn't silenced because he decided to stop speaking and stop declaring the truth and lifting his voice out in his day. Many of us are silencing our own voice. We're living in a nation where it may be very soon that the government will silence us by force, but we're not there yet. But we act like we already are. What a sad thing it is. Amen. The voice of the perishing. The only reason why those that in this text that are not saved had a had a chance of heaven was because there was a man that was saved, and a man that was that was preaching to them the word of God that gave them hope and gave them a message to where they could go to heaven. Amen. Amen. We find the several in this text. John represents the voice of the preacher and the voice of the pardon, but then we find King Herod. We find Herodias. And we find Herodias' daughter that represent the voice of those that are perishing. Those that are, are, are not saved. And if they're not careful, their voice, as we find in this text, when you leave this text, Herodias' voice is never heard from again. King Herod's voice in terms of this event is not heard from in this way ever again. We do find him later on in the life of the Lord, but something has changed, and we'll look at this sometime in the near future. Something has changed in the life of Herod to where he is no longer responding to the conviction that he is being given because of his sin. Amen. And we never find Herodias' daughter ever open, having the opportunity to open her voice and ask God to forgive her and, and to wash her sins away ever again. If we are not careful and we are not like John, there will be people like Herod and Herodias and Herodias's daughter that will live out the course of their life and they'll never call out to Christ for salvation. And they will die and they will go to a very real hell where they will stay for just a brief, seemingly on the, on the scale of history, a brief time to wait, uh, wait what I would, what, I, what I usually call God's forever fire. In, a, in the lake of fire. In, in, in the last day. Amen. We've noticed that Herod in this text. We've looked at these silenced voices that are the voices of those that are perishing and going to hell. And we've been looking at Herod's voice to begin with. And in Herod's perishing voice. His voice that is declaring and speaking words in this text. We find the voice of a convicted sinner. Miss Tina mentioned a minute ago, just earlier in the service, about her her son, and she mentioned the word conviction. What a glad thing it is when a sinner is convicted. Amen. We noticed that conviction comes from a divine full disclosure. And we've been looking at that the last couple of Sundays, and we will try to make some way with that this morning. Look with me at verse number 16. The Bible says, and when King Herod heard thereof, he said, "It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead." Anybody agree with me this morning that I believe in this text we find I believe we can very easily recognize that Herod knew that this was not the right thing to do. As you read this passage of scripture, you find a very reluctant Herod. Uh, doing what uh, he told them he would do. Remember earlier in the service, I told you, you better be careful what you promise. You better be careful what kind of words you give, whether that's to your spouse, whether that's to your children, whether that's to some boss man or boss lady on the job, whether that's just to some person you come in contact with. I'd say this, whether it's to your preacher, whether it's to somebody in this church, your word, and I know it's not, I know it's not the norm in this day as it was in generations, uh, uh, generations before, uh, but your your word better be your bond. Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Amen. If you say yes, you better mean yes. If you say no, you better mean no. You better not make grand promises. The Bible tells us to swear not at all. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Swear not at all. Amen. We ought not to make promises. Amen. The Bible says it'd be better not even to make a promise than to make one and not keep it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says here, Herod promised himself into a very messy future. He said, I will give thee whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, even to the half of my kingdom. And what he did not realize is, is what they would ask for would not be land, and it would not be money. See, Herod had plenty of land under his control, and he would have not thought twice about giving a part of it to them. He had plenty of wealth, and it would not have bothered Herod a bit to give them some money. But what they did not realize is I believe that the devil had worked this in Herodias' heart. By the way, can I say this? If you have such a hatred, and I'm not saying this just because I'm the preacher, but I will say this. You know what? Here in Herodias's life, we find someone that despised the preacher for preaching them the truth, hated for telling it like it is if if they're let me let me just give you this piece of warning and again I'm not saying this because of who I am and because of what congregation this is you can ask my wife you can ask any preacher friend of mine I've preached this in their churches and if you were to kick me out tomorrow I'd still preach it tomorrow here or anywhere else but can I say this in this passage of scripture we find that the fingerprints of the devil are on those that have their heart turned against the preacher There is never anything good that happens when God begins to move a person's heart against the one that is preaching the truth to them. Amen. And if I preach the word of God to you, or if another preacher stands in this pulpit and preaches the word of God to you, and your heart begins to turn against them, and there begins to be anger, there begins to be frustration, there begins to be negative feelings, can I say that did not come from God? And it did not come from a new nature. It only comes from the old nature. It only comes from the devil and your flesh working together to turn your heart away. Amen. And that's what we find here with Herodias. God, or excuse me, uh, the, the Bible says that her heart was turned in a violent way, in a negative way, in a disgusting way against John the Baptist. And when we, we find that she began to use as the devil worked on her hard and as her depraved nature worked in her life, she began to ask for something that I believe, that just, I, I hope at least nobody in this building would ever want. How bad messed up in sin do you have to be? to not only say that your one wish, if you could have any wish in the world from one of the most powerful men of his day that could offer you just about anything as far as the world is concerned. You're not wanting power. You're not wanting prestige. You're not wanting money. What you want is for one of God's men to be killed. And more than that, you want the token that it has been done to be brought to you with his head on a platter. How depraved do you have to be to where the treasure in your house is a preacher's head on a platter? I'd say this lady is more than crossed up with God. I believe this lady has been, we'll deal more with her, and I I even hate to call her a lady. This woman, depraved, vile, wicked woman, asked. Asked Herod, the king, her her husband, said, I want John the Baptist's head on a a charger. And Herod did not know, did not anticipate his promise was going to end up being called back to him for something so vile and so wicked. You say, "How do you see Herod under conviction what he did? He killed John the Baptist. He allowed it to be done. He called an executioner, and he enacted this. He could have said no, and you're right, he could have. But all throughout this text we find a very reluctant king doing what he bound himself by promise. Can I say this, men? you better be careful. And and I'm I'm getting getting so far away from from what I had planned for this morning. And I'm not even, I wasn't even planning on preaching on Herodias until next week. Will you all forgive me if I preach on her a little bit today and then go back next week? Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't preach Wednesday. I guess I'm just making up for it. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Can I say this, men? And you you can nod your head or you can shake them or you can just sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. But it's amazing how much the ladies in our life can cause us to do things. Yes, sir, brother. Amen. Yes, sir. I've done i not done them for I've not done for bad with my wife. I'm glad my wife has never asked me to do anything wrong. But there are times that I've done things that was against that was against my what I understood, and sometimes it's been for good. My, my wife has made said, hey, why don't we do it this way? And it ended up being a good thing. But sometimes I've went against. My thoughts, or maybe there was times that I didn't necessarily voice my full opinion. You husbands know what I'm talking about. because, Amen. Because, number one, I wanted to keep harmony in my home. And number two, because I didn't want to break my wife's spirit. She had an idea. She had a thought. She was excited about it. And I, in my back of my mind, I said, I don't know how this is going to turn out. But, but I let her do it. I don't, I don't know how you wives are, but my wife loves, and I know she's listening right now. <laughs> my wife loves for me to be out all day, for me to be over here studying, or me to be doing something else. And I come back home and I get in late. I think about that. The, the time recently when we were doing some stuff in here and me and you were getting Sunday school rooms together. You remember we were here very, very late. And I get home late that night, I come in the door. And my wife says, do you want to rearrange Wyatt's bedroom? I said, no, I want to sit down. This is what I want to do. I've been standing up working all day. Amen. But, but I said, this is what I told her. Here, young men, you will learn to compromise, okay? I said, if we do it before I sit down, we can do it. The moment I sit down, I'm down. Amen. But you all know what I'm talking about how that precious lady in our life we love them so much and I'll be honest with you I'm thankful for mine I hope my wife never wakes up one morning and thinks that I was a bad decision I think that is we as men we as husbands one of the things that we do in our job as a husband is try to get up every morning and convince her it was a good decision for you to choose me amen amen I ain't gonna try to give you any reason amen I echo the words of the preacher if if she goes I'm going with her amen Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we would be amazed. Our love for them, our care for them. I don't know about you, but I just absolutely adore my, my wife. I'm telling you, this week, I saw that little lady stronger than I've ever seen her in my life. I've seen her, I, I told her, and I went, I went down to the gift shop. I bought her some flowers, and I put a note on there, and just, just from my heart expressed to her, Honey, I'm amazed by you by what you went through to bring this baby into the world and, and, and i think about i think about my wife my, my wife wants to be here this morning my wife and i know this is against code but my wife is going to try to work out some way to be here tonight so she can be here to see these folks being baptized so she may spend some time in the service in my office she may slip in for the baptism she may slip into the back of the service tonight but she's going she wants to be here after all of that after having to go to a doctor's appointment this morning, and taking care of a baby all night, didn't bother me at one—not at one, one time last night because she knew. Said she told she told, even told our son, "Daddy's going to be preaching tomorrow." Daddy's daddy, your daddy's going to preach tomorrow, and she tried to keep that off of me so I could be here this morning. I'm amazed by that little lady. But I'll tell you this, this morning, especially this week, she can get me to do just about anything she wants. I'm telling you, you, she asked me more than once, preacher, it's probably happening. If if it ain't against this Bible, it's going to happen. Amen. 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 If you love a woman, you'll be surprised what you'll do for her. I believe there's not a man in this building that's worth shooting if you wouldn't die for your wife. If you wouldn't do your best to provide everything she needs and even some of the wants if you can. Amen. Everything she does, putting up with us. Amen. All she does for the family, we can take care of some of the wants as well. Amen. Amen. Herod here, though, didn't have the godly lady that I have and that many of you men have. He had a lady that, uh, he had a woman in his life that turned his heart away from God and away from the things of God and away from God's man and used her influence in his life to kill the preacher. Used the power that he had and that she did not have. Notice what your Bible says here and I, I hope I have a little bit more to preach on Herodias next time we look at it. Amen. But notice what the Bible says verse 19. And uh, Well, let's see. Yeah, verse 19. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him. And would have killed him. She, the Bible says she would have killed John herself if she could have. If she have got close enough to him, she would have stabbed him. She would have strangled him. She would have done something to kill him. But she could not. Why? For Herod feared John. The man with all of the authority wouldn't let it happen. She was, she was his wife. Even, if, even though it was an adulterous relationship and an adulterous marriage, he was the king and he could make anything he wanted happen. She used his authority that he had. He, she said, well, I can't kill him on my own because Herod won't let me do it. And I don't have the authority to make that declaration in this kingdom. But what I can do is I can think about the depravity of this. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting all over my stuff for next week. Think about the depravity of this. She says, "Preacher, this is what she's saying. I'm in layman's terms. I can't get him to do it, but I can appease to a side of him that all men have, and I'm going to send my daughter. How depraved of an individual do you have to be? I think. I think about. I think about Lot in the book of Genesis in Sodom." Those sodomites on the outside of Lot's door says for said for Lot to let them lie in 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 a in a sensual fashion. Let me lie with those those male angels that are in your house. And Lot said, "I'm instead of that." And I understand what Lot was trying to do, but I, I, be honest with you, Brother Lewis, I couldn't do it. You think about your Brother Lewis. You think about your too. He said, I'm gonna send my He's gonna send my daughters, and you lie with them. I think for Lot, Lot was a believer. The Bible said he was. The Bible said he vexed his righteous soul. Amen. I believe Lot was perplexed with that decision. But I do not I think uh, to think Herodias here. Not only is she doing that, trying to trying to save Lot was trying to save those men that God had sent to Sodom. Here, it's her idea, and all she wants is her way. In this passage, I probably just I preached a lot on Herodias this morning. Let me say this in in Herod, and I'll back this up next week. And we've looked at it some. Herod, we find the perishing voice of a convicted sinner. But in Herodias, we find the perishing voice of a conniving sinner. All she wants is her way. There are some people in this world that are just simply not interested in anything other than their way. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with the things of God. They don't want anything to do with the church. And I'll be honest with you, yes, God can save them, but chances are their heart, unless the gospel gets to them, if they stay the where they are and their voices stay silent just like Herodias', they'll never call out to God. They will be damned. They will go to hell. And can I tell you this? Most people in that kind of depraved condition will never be saved. Amen. I think if someone like Herodias gets saved, there's no wonder it's called Amazing Grace. Because she's done everything in her life to kick God out. She's done everything wicked that she could. Herodias in our text is legitimately a New Testament Jezebel. Amen. Wants nothing to do with God. Hates the things of God. She was a conniving sinner. Can I say this? I'm glad this morning that God can not only save those under deep conviction, and we'll deal with some of that more next week, but I'm glad we have a real big God in heaven. Amen. That has power that we'll never believe. That can be can be extended and can be sent into a person's life, converting their soul. Amen. I'm glad that even the worst of sinners can still be born again. Amen. Paul said he was not He wasn't being modest when he said that I am the chief of sinners. What he was saying was is that God has already saved the worst that ever was. And because God saved the worst that ever was, he can save whosoever will would come to him by faith. Whosoever would drink of the water of life. Amen. He can save that that sinner in here this morning. You say, I've done too much. I don't think God could ever save me. I don't think God would ever save me. God's already saved saved the worst sinner that there ever was. And if Herodias would have, just, would have just humbled herself and called out to God, she would have been born again too. Amen. Herod, do we find a man under conviction? Herodias, we find someone that's conniving. We find here that Herodias used the relationship, the love, I believe, that Herod had for her to connive her way. Into getting what she wants, we'll see some more about Herod's conviction. Let me let me mention this as well, and just so I, I give you the thought, because we're about to close this morning, and, and just so you can have these in your mind as we look at them over the next couple of weeks. In Herod, we're talking about the silenced voice of the perishing; those that will close their voices will leave this world never calling out to God for salvation. There's some that'll do it, and they'll be like Herod, that'll be under conviction, but they never move that to next step into calling out to God and asking them to save them. You'll have some like Herodias that were conniving, had sin in a big way in their life, and hated the things of God, and they may not ever use their voice to call out to God, but I want to remind you this morning that they can. Amen. man if there's someone in this building you feel like that's you and you're not interested and you and 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 you've up to this point you've never been interested in anything that had to do with God and your life has been wicked God can save the wicked. Hallelujah. But in Herodias' daughter and I'm giving you this just for the sake of maybe some of you that are taking notes. In Herodias' daughter, we find the, voicing not, the perishing voice not just of a convicted sinner and a conniving sinner, but we find the, we find the perishing voice of a confused sinner. I think as we see Herodias' daughter, we'll see how living a life without God in it will affect our children. And let me tell you, you will affect your children. If you, you can even be saved this morning. But if God is not fully a part of your life and all of your life, as if He does not control your every decision and every moment, you will affect your children in a negative way. So much so, and I would hate to see this happen, but so much so that even you as a believer may be the catalyst, or as a lost person, or as a believer. I'd hate to see any believer do this. But if you don't let God be a part of your life, chances are you may be saved. But if you don't live in the precepts of God, trusting in Him, and you exclude God from the everyday practices of your life, don't be surprised if what you have in a possession of Christ, you you, you prayed and asked God to save you, and He did, and you haven't done much for God since, don't be surprised if your children will fail to, fail to do what little for God you've already done. If you, if you want to just be saved and get out of hell and not want to live for God, don't be surprised if your kids won't avoid hell. Her, Herod and Herodias, Herodias had this daughter, and I believe this daughter died and went to hell confused. And one of the reasons why is because her parents did not live for God in front of her. I'm amazed, when and one of the things, I would love to see God grow this church and bless this church to where we could have a bus ministry one day. We could have a van ministry. I I love that ministry. Do you know why? Because we're rescuing people that are Herodias' daughters. Amen. There's people, and I've been around them, there's people in those ministries that unless somebody goes to them and gets them some help from their parents, they'll never know any better. Their parents are all but signing their their one-way ticket to hell. There's a God that loves them. There's churches that love them. There's preachers and laymen that love them. But their parents don't love them enough to love Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, if you're here today and you're under conviction, why not get saved? There's no reason for you not to be born again. God loves you and he wants to make you a new creature in Christ. If you're up, if you're like Herodias and up to this point have never had any interest in the things of God, but somehow, some way, God's spoken to your heart. Why don't you let Him do business with you today? Why don't you get born again today? You'll never regret that decision. And there might be somebody here this morning, some maybe some parent that would say, "God, help me not to be a Herodias to a Herodias' daughter. Help me to help me to invest in my children's walk with You and and their possession of salvation." help me not to turn them away from the gospel maybe there might be some young person today that'll say God I want you more than anything that I could ever want please and I, my, my, my parents are this way my relatives this way my family is this way my friends are this way and none of it has anything to do with God but today I choose Jesus today I choose eternal life today I choose to walk with you and have you accept you as my Lord and ask you to be my savior today if you will do that this morning You'll never regret making that decision. Don't let the devil, don't let your flesh, and don't let the world silence your voice from calling out to God and getting the one thing you need more than anything else. And it's not money, and it's not fame, and, and, and it's not a, even, even though education's great, it's not a great education. You know what you need more than anything else? You need true, blue, genuine Bible salvation. Amen. It's the only thing that'll take you to heaven when you die. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.